today on the breakdown. It's the hand that launched a thousand ships. It's the hand that got people to say, huh? <laughs> and also, what? And also, poker guys, you just better do this hand. Because the whole world stopped when Doug Polk and Phil Helmuth matched up on high stakes poker. Phil Helmuth flopping the nuts. Doug Polk flopping the second nuts. Is there any way in human history that Doug Polk can get away from this hand? This unbelievably strong hand. Well, you probably know the answer to this because the whole world exploded with anticipation <laughs> and excitement about how this hand played out. Yes, that's right. Doug Polk did fold the second nuts. It's not much of a spoiler, really. But we're going to examine how in the world was it possible? How in the bloody hell could anyone actually do this in real life? We're going to do it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. I'm racking my brain. What is the thing that launched a thousand ships? I can't remember now. Helen. Oh, yeah, Helen, Helen of Troy. Of Troy. But what's, what's the thousand, word? Oh, the face that lost, launched a thousand ships. I knew it was Helen of Troy. I couldn't remember the, the noun that fit in there. Hmm. The X that launched a thousand ships. Yeah. It's a face. Yeah. Good stuff. Aren't you the guy who claims to have a photographic memory? No, I've never claimed to have a photograph. Many times you've claimed, and I guess you wouldn't remember that now because it, it says a lot. If you claiming now you didn't, right? Oy. <laughs> it's already it's going to be one of those, huh? Already frustrated. It's going to be one of those podcasts. Oh, I love my job. <laughs> you know what I was thinking about when mm. for, for no reason at all? Uh, somehow it like almost rhymes with the X that launched a thousand ships. Is there's that song? It's like your kiss is on my list. Yeah. Why? Paul and Oates. That, that song is terrible. Because yeah, that song is not terrible. Oh. It's catchy. I mean, okay, let's talk about the line. <laughs> oh, okay. The, the line lyric. is terrible. I don't know the lyrics around it. Maybe it makes sense. Maybe there's a story there. Maybe there's a narrative that totally you know, fits. Like and, things you want to do before you die? Well, there's, yeah, like it's my bucket list. Your kiss is on my bucket list. So I'm going to sexually assault you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. maybe. Let's, let's try again. Um, favorite things. My list of favorite things and your kiss is on it. Like that's, that's not so bad. It sounds creepy. No what am I asking Santa for? A kiss from Santa. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm saying there's ways that it's not terrible. If you have you listened to the rest of the lyrics? No, of course you haven't. I mean, you're taking it out of you're if taking I'm, it out of. If con- I'm listening to Hollow Notes, I'm mostly listening to Rich Girl. That's. I mean, that's, that's fine. That's, that's a, the Hollow Notes area that I like to stay in. I stay in that area. Okay. I mean, that's that's a terrible mistake, but you got to live your life. I mean, that's the best Hall Notes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why don't you shoot yourself right now in the head? <laughs> Save us all the time. Wow. And effort. That's some darkness coming. She's from- gone. She's gone. Okay. You think that's better than Rich Girl? It is so much better than Rich Girl. It's, it's weird that we're having this discussion. This is gonna be- Are you pranking me right now? You're pranking I me. I think this is going to be the next croissant and English muffin thing. You're going to lose this one. She's gone versus Rich Girl. You're losing this one. I am not. You are getting... Dis- You're not even losing. All right. You're getting crushed. This is a formal call out to the listeners. Yeah. Weigh in on Twitter. We are the poker guys. Rich girl or she's gone by Hall and It's not close. Which one is better? It's not even close. We're putting up a poll. We're I, putting up a poll. I agree that it's not close. <laughs> I, I am amazed. I am shocked at your, your insanity right now. 
Well, wow. you, you admitted that you lost the English muffin croissant debate, right? Yes, I admit that. We recently received a message. We had an argument about mm. who would do better in prison. <laughs> we recently, you were very strong that you would do better in prison. I would do better in prison. Well, not according to the message that we received. One message. Oh, congratulations. One message, buddy. Thousands of listeners. One person weighs in. And the, the vocal minority suddenly rules the roost. I don't think so. I'm, I'm, I have evidence and you don't. That's all I'm saying. Uh, do we know which, who that was? It, who was the person who said that? It was Foxy Picks. Yeah. Oh, that's not even a real person. No one's name is Foxy Picks. You're right. It's the, the deep state <laughs> fucking said that because they're after you. And all they said was this. Jonathan would definitely do worse in prison. We don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> How could you pick any Hollow Notes song over Rich Girl? It's, it's, I mean, it's you obscene. are like... It's, it's obscene. Like, it's, like, it's like you think you're speaking in Spanish right now and all that's coming out is zeros and ones. I mean, it's so weird. Hollow Notes have a have an extensive, fabulous library, and you just went to like I, I don't even understand you right. It's like I love the Beatles because that song I want to hold your hand is the best song ever created. Oh, give me a That's break! That's what you just said. No, it That's is. That's what you just no, said. No, it is not. First of all, early Beatles sucks ass. And everybody knows it. Everyone knows that. Yes, yeah. but apparently you don't. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Late Beatles is great. Early yeah. Beatles sucks ass. That's yeah. that's how life works. And yet, Rich Girls the best Hollow Notes song. That's obvious. Have you ever heard Sarah smile? Because no. that's another fucking amazing song that's clearly better than Rich Girl. In fact, I may put that ahead of She's Gone. I think that's better than She's Gone. It's I'm, better than She's Gone. I it's guess Sarah Smile. I guess next you're going to tell me that What's Your Frequency, Kenneth, is better is than The End of the World as We Know It. I can't say that. I, okay. don't even, I, I don't even really know what What's Your Frequency, Kenneth, sounds like. I mean, I probably like, do. What's but Your I, Frequency, Kenneth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, no. Um, she's Gone. She's Gone is, is what I'm taking, even over Sarah Smile. She's Gone. It's such an easy win. <laughs> is this like that time that you you actually did a really good job and you convinced me that people in your generation were entirely sure that Journey was a worse band than Foreigner? <laughs> I remember and that Foreigner that. was like the best yeah. band of the era, and everybody who was your age thought that. And I, and and like you had you had our uh, you had Digital Dan fucking chime in with you, or you at least pretended he chimed yeah, in probably, with you. I pretended, and yeah. and it convinced me. I was like. Really? I guess you guys just had really bad taste. Yeah. I, I, okay. That was a great victory. For yeah. That was, no, this is not that. This is a, I'm right. You're wrong. It's not even that. It's I'm right. You're dumb. Because this is crazy. This is crazy. You would say this is the kind of thing that millennials do. They ruin everything. I think, I think people are going to get your generation X. You don't have a dog in the fight. Like. Of the generations, it's like millennials and boomers yeah. and Gen Z are all fighting, and Generation X no, is like, right. I don't care, bro. I love apathy. Let's watch Fight Club nine times in a row. Like, I mean, I do. I yes, actually, I know those things. And you're right. I don't have a problem obviously yeah. with millennials at all. I, many of my best friends are millennials. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm saying you, you're the problem, uh-huh. and you happen to be a millennial because I because I think Rich Girls the best Hall Notes. Because song. you think Rich Girls the best Hall Notes. I feel like a lot of people are going to be mad at you for this take. Really? Yeah. Because why? Because it's clearly the best Hall Notes song. See, that's the part where you just lose everyone. If you had said because you're overreacting, sure, maybe. If you said because it maybe feels like I'm bullying you or ganging up on you, yeah, 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 I, I see How that. How could you be ganging up I'm on me? I'm ganging up by you. one of you. <laughs> I have a very powerful presence. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, but the because Rich Girl is the best Hall Notes song, dude, what are you, okay, what are you going to do when you lose? Because I want to hear, you're so sure you're going to win. What are you going to do when you lose? Are you gonna Are you gonna do something horrible to yourself? <laughs> no. I don't mean like kill yourself, but I mean like 
painful no, or awful? I'm not going to kill myself, even though you suggested it earlier on this podcast already <laughs> when we were talking about something entirely different. I thought it was about this. Was it I think it, was, I think it, was, no, it might it was, have been about this. It was about this. It was about this. I think. Um, you, you woke up snappy today. <laughs> you woke up a little snappy. I did. And then you said the dumbest thing in human history. And here we are. <laughs> the dumbest thing in human history. Wow. <laughs> It's probably the second dumbest thing. Probably if we went through all of human history, we could find something stupider than that. Like English muffins are better than croissants? No, clearly that was... A a lot of the world wasn't so sure about that when a lot of people came down on the croissant side. So this is going to be the biggest blowout since Muhammad Ali against a sixth grader. Okay? Did that happen? Because that seems unfair. I would would, would like to see it. I would still like to see it. (laughs) That's actually really fucked up if you... That's like one of those jokes. It's like... uh, you know the first episode of Black Mirror about the guy who has to have sex with the pig? Yeah. It sounds like it's funny, but then they actually do it in like a it's serious way, and you're like, dude, this is fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of what that's well, like. Well, Mike Tyson. You're like, I would love to watch Muhammad Ali basically kill a sixth is grader. It, isn't Muhammad Ali dead? Yes. So who's going to win that one, buddy? Sixth grader? Still fucked up. Now you're talking about digging up a corpse and having a sixth yeah. grader punch Beat it. the shit out of it. <laughs> yeah, that's going to... He, he can use weapons. Lots of darkness coming from that side of the table today, man. You started it with this rich girl take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my fault. You know what? I take full responsibility. I, I'm taking all the responsibility by blaming you <laughs> for this rich girl take. If you hadn't said that, if you hadn't set me off... Right. This is, by the way, this is the kind of passion that Phil Helmuth inspires in you even more than me. I actually was going to bring that up. Let's oh, keep really? arguing. Yeah. But change the subject. Sounds great. It's Phil Helmuth. And uh, I, I do have a point on this. But, okay. Uh, so Jonathan, after this hand happened, Jonathan decided to go on a little binge of watching Phil Helmuth hands. Yeah. And apparently it made him upset about how much he doesn't like Phil Helmuth. Wow. I, I was once again, my, my anger towards Phil Helmuth was rekindled with every word that came out of his mouth. This is just for, highlights from the big game. Yes. Clearly, we both famously dislike Phil Helmuth. Yes. Jonathan has always claimed that I dislike Phil Helmuth more than Be- he likes. Because you do. Okay. I think a lot of that is baked into language because mm. um, I have in the past and did today when we were talking about called Phil Helmuth a bad person. And I think it is semantic perhaps because how do we define bad person? I, <laughs> this is funny because we're arguing about who, who hates Phil Helmuth less. <laughs> we both clearly dislike the guy a lot. Yeah. Like he's a, he's kind yeah. of a, a person you don't want to really see or interact with, but he's entertaining. Um, so like when I'm, de- when I'm saying bad, like when you say good or bad person, what percentile person are you talking about? Like as far as like their personality yeah. and their quality and how they affect others. Yeah, yeah. Like how low in the person do you have to be fifth percentile or lower to be considered a bad person? Something like that. Because then I wouldn't call Phil Helmuth a bad person. But I do think he's probably twenty fifth percentile or lower. Bottom quarter for sure. Like I certainly put him in the bottom thirty percent. I've it's hard to it's hard to figure it out after that. I don't know. I don't you know, I, I've I've divorced myself from enough human contact in general, <laughs> yeah. like, and then especially this last year that I feel like I, it's a little hard for me to know where to, where to place. It's tough to know. There's a lot of a lot of disgustingness that happens out in the world. Exactly. Um, See, that's all. So for when you say bad person, I take that like as a serious thing, right? Like, you're you're, you're talking doing about like, like awful shit, like racist people and stuff, like, like tru- I, truly like, horribly I be, racist I be people. Children, I assault children. Yeah, you know, okay. whatever. Um, I assault uh, just other people. Right, right. That's not what I mean. Well, I understand that, but you say bad person. That's 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 why okay. I always say I don't think he's a bad person. I think he's got you know self esteem issues. All right, like when I say bad person, the context around. of a poker player who I don't know anything about their personal life, uh, which is generally going to be a good thing, uh, I I mean how they treat people and mm-hmm. like what you can see. Yeah, and of all the poker players in the world, Phil Hummings probably treats people the worst in a uh, who has a, who has a stage who people know about, right? 
Uh, well, maybe Sean Shakan. I, I mean, don't know, at, like, at least consistently. So yeah. I'll say that. Like we, he's on TV a lot. Like there, I'm sure there have been people who've treated others worse on TV, but they don't last on TV. You know what yeah. I mean? They're they're there for one episode, and Phil Hemsworth is there for every episode, right. basically for the last like hash, fifteen like years. hashtag king. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. obviously that guy is that guy is actually a bad person. Yeah, because of the shit that I know about, even like right. where he's trying to get people to, like. Hit him so he can sue. Well, even just the that. stuff that he said to Sean Deeb was like, that's way Ooh, too far. Way that was too far. really, yeah, that, that, like, I felt Hummus would, of course, never do any yeah, of that kind right. of shit. Right? I, agree. No I matter, agree. No matter how upset he was, no matter how emotional yes, he was, yes, I agree. He would with never that. do anything like that, right? Um, oh, man. By the way, but, but he does, the things that he does are, yeah, are like, lame and annoying and i i understand that it's probably semantics i agree but i like i actually think like you're being too free with that with that kind of language and i think that's that's not okay i don't think that's great maybe I mean, that's fair yeah it doesn't really matter to me it's the difference between bad person and truly awful person <laughs> okay i don't know yeah all right either way Phil Hamuth, not a likable guy in our eyes so he was um on the big game as i, I literally watched like 35 minutes of Phil Hummuth hands yesterday, just like highlights from the big game. And it's all him being a dick basically. Right. Um, of course that they, cause they, you know, they do these like little 15 minute things. So I probably watched three of them. Uh, so it was like 45 minutes. And one of them, Bill Perkins is usually at the table. And at one point he's like, Phil's like the businessman is killing me. Uh, and then he looks, and he says, man, you're, you're winning. I, I sort of can't believe it. I, I would have thought you'd be losing. I really think that you're going to get back hundred K to the table by the end. And I was hoping it'd all be to me, but it's probably going to be spread out. And Perkins is like, Hey, buddy, look, I know you found a woman who would marry you, but like, I don't need to hear that from you. Like, you can keep your mouth shut. Like, I, yeah. I'm not going to take that from you. Right. Like, you know, like, kind of slap, like slap Phil silly a little bit. And he it was, should. Like, a little shock. And that's that. coming like, from Bill Perkins, who's like a happy-go-lucky guy. Yeah. Right? But uh, yeah. And then Phil was like, uh, I, Phil actually said, I'm just saying the truth. And Bill was like, that's your opinion, man. That's yeah. not truth. And Bill's like, well, it's like what I think. And Bill's like, I don't care. Like, be respectful. And Bill was, of course, completely right. Of course. Um, now, Bill is a little annoying, too, in all these things, for sure. I can understand why he gets on how he yeah. a little bit. But, like, guess what? He's the billionaire at the table. He doesn't know how to act. You're the professional. Of course you do. But you don't because you're Phil fucking Helmuth. And everything you say is toxic, it basically, is. at the table. Now... I don't think that makes him a bad person, but still it's toxic. And it's this weird, everything, every compliment is designed to put other people down and, and raise him up. Everything he does. It's crazy. Let's, let's hear your, uh, your quick reaction to that time that he tipped everybody a hundred dollar bill and tweeted about it and made sure everybody knew about it. How do you feel about that? Well, as I'm the one who put out the tweet, I believe I wrote something like puke or yeah. something like that. Right. Because it was so obviously like, please look at me and say nice things about me. I'm a good person. Uh, it was super weird. And also, he's like, I went all the way from... This is before COVID, I think. Like, I went all the way from... No, this was during COVID. Oh, was it? But he's talking about, like, he, he left the casino and went to the airport, and he was tipping everyone along the way, and he said he gave out $1,100. 2200 Okay, but whatever the number is, it was like, that can't be right. There's definitely... You definitely ran into more than 22 people in a casino and in an airport. That's not the problem in my mind. Of course it isn't. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, also a lie. Yeah. Also, like, something about that is just doesn't smell right. But beyond that, of course, it's this, like, you know... Please love me. Love me. Tell, say I'm good. Look, I'm good. I'm, I'm better than you because I need... I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting out there that I'm better than you, so that way I will be loved by you. And I like, think that's and there's two, and lame. And there's two implicit things there. It's I'm generous and I'm rich. Like, and everybody should respect me for those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and then he says, like, I'm doing it to inspire other people. And it's like, fuck you. That's not what you're doing. That's no. not what you tweeted about it. You're fuck doing you. A, you're, you're doing kidding. it for clout. And then the thing that was crazy is... The, the Twitter mentions, of which I wrote puke, and got, by the way, a lot of our people like that, of course, because if you 
you know, I mean, if you listen to the show, you can still like Phil Hellmuth and be like, well, they're crazy about their takes. Yeah. On, but mostly you're going to agree with us on this, <laughs> I would think. Uh, most of the most of the responses in Phil's Twitter feed were very positive, you know, and I thought that was weird because to me it was so obviously it was such a naked grab for like attention and praise. Yeah. You know, and I'm sort of amazed that people wouldn't see the, see for what it was, in my opinion. From another language perspective, by the way, the way you just said fuck you to Phil Hellmuth yeah. doesn't sound like something you would say to somebody that you wouldn't consider a bad person. You said fuck you to Phil Hellmuth. Yeah, but you know how I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, but but I don't but I would say that to you sometimes. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, okay. But yeah, you no, would never, I, like, I would really, never mean it the same way no. unless I did stuff that Phil Hellmuth does. Right? I really, really don't like that Phil Hellmuth did that. There's things about him I really don't like, but I don't think that makes him a bad person. Okay. I, I could see the semantic argument yes. for that. And I, perhaps I am too flippant with, with using that terminology. I would say he is a below, he's certainly below the fucking average in terms of good or bad people, but that's a huge swath. Okay. And, and I don't, Fair enough. On, on the spectrum. Fair enough. He's maybe, a below average human. Maybe I was too flippant with, with, with that terminology. So maybe we can name this, this podcast, Phil Hummuth, colon, below average human. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I might, might actually do that. Well, then we can't do the hand because we have to name it with the hand because it's the oh, showy yeah. hand. So Speaking maybe of, bad behavior actually there is yeah. bad behavior in this hand but it's not phil Hellmuth. yes and it's not doug poke it's kind of, we'll talk about it later but it's like absurd what goes on in this hand as far as the table it's really strange yeah um the whole thing is very odd this hand in, in many ways honestly there's so many everyone is sort of has been a villain a poker villain um who's involved who's at the table some people because they're at the table and they're doing this kind of activity phil homeuth because he's phil homeuth and doug polk not now but like leading up to his challenge sometimes on twitter he just sort of went after everyone in ways that was a little sh- he went after, shocking he went after a lot of people that i didn't expect him to go after right for no real reason it yeah. felt like and i was like is he just trying to gin up he's like just having fun? eyeballs i think he just doesn't care he's having fun yeah it's like i'm rich it doesn't matter who cares like let's have a good time um and you know in some ways i kind of admire that but in other ways it's like but why it's a, I mean, like, it's affecting people a little exactly, bit. Exactly, exactly. Like, like, he goes after, for example, Christian Soto. Now, Christian Soto is someone who went after us recently. Yeah. But in fairness, like, he went after Christian Soto in ways that felt, like, completely off. Like, why? Why? Yeah. Like, Christian Soto knows he's not as good at you at fucking heads up. And, you know, challenging him to a heads up match because, like, you know, is bizarre. Of course he's not going to say yes. Like, we all know that. Like, he's really good at the thing he's really good at. Like, what, what are we talking about here? You know? So, I don't know. I anyway. Think- I think uh, you know Doug is uh, Doug is good at cultivating his brand, and he's mm. he's concerned with his brand, and he's uh, kind of putting blinders onto anything else as far as that's concerned. Is my guess? I guess. I mean, his brand is picking on people a little bit. It's yeah. a weird brand, and that it's, had, it's a that bit of a bully. His, it's a bit yeah. of a bully. It wasn't always his brand, but he yeah. sort of. But I will say. Um, Part of, but I also admire a lot of the thing, a lot of things about him. One that he went from, he went from being like you know a fucking like low stakes grinder all the way up to the the absolute top of the class, and he did it as a two plus two poster the whole way, and he did it in a really short period of time. And yeah, like, that's really cool. And he he was way ahead of the curve on all the GTO stuff before there were solvers or anything. He was working a lot of that stuff and uh, and doing it really well. And when he sees something that he admires, he's he's willing to say it. So, like for example, in the Daniel Negreanu match, mm-hmm. he would 
he has said many, many times how well he thinks, how much better he thinks Negrano got. Also saying all the things he thought Negrano did poorly along sure. the way. I appreciate all that. Maybe he's just filterless. Maybe that's yeah, basically maybe. what it is. That makes that makes more sense. Yeah. You know, you get to a point where you have enough money and you're famous enough. I don't whatever. think that's, I think you're just conflating the money thing. It there's makes a, it there's a lot of people with a lot of money who don't just say whatever yeah. comes to their mind. No, you're right. You're right. But it makes it easier to do that. If you already have an inclination to that, having a lot of money makes it easier because yeah. you have less to lose. That's all. Fair enough. But. Doug Polk is an outlier yeah. among the poker community, and there's plenty of poker players who have as much money as Doug yeah, Polk. No, that's very true. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. It's probably not a money thing. It's probably just a personality thing for the most part. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so that all leads us to this hand. The hand of the century, according to many people. I mean, this is, this is pretty incredible, this hand. I tweeted right after this came out. Someone wrote, fold of the, fold of the year or something, and, yeah. I, and I, I retweeted it with fold of the century. You're wrong, obviously. I was I was caught up in the mold. You Van den Bygart. Yeah, I, I begs agree. to differ. I no, you Van den Bygart is a better fold. There's yeah. no question about it. But still, it's a pretty fucking good fold, and we can ar- maybe we can argue about it where it, where it stands in the pantheon at some point on the show. We'll see if we get to that. Depending on the fame, know. the fame of the players involved helps it. You Van den Bygart folded against fucking Ben Wolanowski. Like yeah. that's not the same as Doug Polk, Phil Hamuth. Right. Uh, anyway, speaking of names, here are the people who suggested this hand. Okay. Ilya Yurchenko, Max Sawyer, Owen Abma, Anton Zykin, Steampunked Crypto Poker, Ani Hutton, and Mark Testart. If you suggested it somewhere else or we missed you on Twitter, sorry. There, were, there was a bunch of stuff going on. Yep, there are always times. Um, anyway, they suggested on Twitter. That's the best way to do it. We are the Poker Guys on Twitter. Please include a video and a timestamp when you suggest a hand. Uh, speaking of those people, they probably all signed up to Nitrogen Sports using the Poker Guys link, wouldn't you say? I mean, they probably did at this point. If they didn't, it would be weird. It would be very odd. There is a link in the description of this podcast that leads you to Nitrogen Sports, which is a place that is just full of a bunch of different cornucopias of delicious goodness. You know what I'm saying? Totally. A cornucopia of cornucopias, if you will. What? (laughs) Is that like a variety of varieties? You know what a cornucopia is? Of course I know. So imagine a very large cornucopia that is populated by smaller cornucopias that then have like delicious morsels in them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's how nitrogen sports told me to say it. Okay. I feel like that was confusing semantically for nitrogen. Look, nitrogen is not like they don't have the best writers on staff. Yeah, they don't. They wanted me to add a third bigger cornucopia, but I was like, that's too much. (laughs) What are we writing? Inception over here? We're not doing that nitrogen. Relax. Yeah. Relax. Stop giving people so much money. I'm kidding. Keep doing it because they keep fucking doing it, Jonathan. Yeah. When you use the link, you get access to our monthly tournament that somehow still happens. I swear I don't understand why. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it does. They give away. They 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 guarantee a thousand buy-ins to this tournament. They cap the player pool at 300 players. Means there's always at least 700 buy-ins extra in the prize pool. It's thousands of dollars because it's 100 millibits, which these you know the price of Bitcoin is so fluctuates. I mean, we're recording this like a month in advance. Yeah. At, at the time that I'm looking at the price, it's $56,718. So that means it's like $4,000 of, of overlay, guaranteed. By the time you hear this, it's probably like $5,500 worth of overlay, because obviously Bitcoin's a lot higher than 55 k by the time you're listening to this, people. Wow, you just jinxed the shit out of Bitcoin. I jinxed it, did it, or did it? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, that's how I did it. Speaking of Bitcoin... Nitrogen is a Bitcoin-only site. You can do all your sports betting, casino gaming, and poker in Bitcoin. And when you withdraw your money after you bink that Poker Guys tournament or a sports bet or other poker stuff, you get your money fast. Because as you know, if you know anything about crypto, crypto moves pretty fast. That's one of the the advantages Mm. of crypto. Nitrogen gets you your money within 90 minutes. For some reason, other sites that use Bitcoin and other cryptos 
Don't do that. It doesn't make any fucking sense. But nitrogen, they're legit. They don't fuck with you. Also, they have sports betting. They have casino games. Get in there, get you some poker. Do the thing. Use the link. See you there. All right. Let's talk about this actual hand, huh? Okay. Okay. I'm, looking, I'm really excited to talk about this hand. Phil Helmuth. Yes. He's just a really good guy. <laughs> One thing we can all agree on is Phil Helmuth loves the song Sarah Smile <laughs> by All and Oates. You know what? He probably wouldn't pick Rich Cole. You're right. <laughs> <He's> just, <laughs> I mean, that, even Phil Helmuth would get that right. That's what I'm saying. Mm. I mean, perpetually wrong on everything. Anyway, let's let's move on. Prefers Garfunkel over Simon, that type of thing. I mean, if you're going for a singing voice, you would. Only one of them can sing well, and it's fucking Garfunkel. Actually, I disagree. Paul Simon has a perfectly fine oh, voice. Oh my word! You've now now you've lost everyone. If you may have you may have kept some people who are like, all right, maybe he's had some weird like breakfast. Now people, you know, when you're talking about the the she's. I, I'm not saying he has like an incredible voice, but he's not like Bob Dylan, who's just like eh, Bob he's, Dylan. I'm on the other okay. side of the tracks. That's <laughs> not fair. That's not fair. Okay. okay, Bob Dylan sounds like like if you're doing a spectrum of great singing, and then there's the median voices, and then there's the like voices that are like terrible. Bob Dylan is all the way on the end of terrible voices. But you're acting like Paul Simon's close to that no no paul simon is somewhere in the middle but but for recording artists that is terrible oh no i i disagree for a recording artist i think he's somewhere in the middle you make no sense to i'm me, thinking right? of like kodachrome call me al he sounds fine call me al sounds like a re- it sounds like you were me singing no it doesn't it does it, it absolutely does. does not he does not have a good we voice. are listening to it after this podcast and you are gonna fucking everyone agrees you're gonna, with retract. Me. You're gonna retract your <laughs> shit by the way uh <laughs> yeah april april come she will yeah, yeah. That, that song. That's like a nice voice song. That is. That's all the good parts are Simon. No, no. Are, he, he, are, are there, there's like a, buddy. there's a Paul Simon version that is actually, Oh really? It's nice. Yeah. I haven't heard that. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to retract this. We're going to listen after, after this. I refuse to retract it. <laughs> it's going to happen. All right. But nobody will bear witness to it. So, you know, it'll so be it our happen. little nugget of fun. Yeah. Speaking of nuggets of fun, Phil Hummuth, just a nugget of fun. He's got $98,000 in front of him. $400 big blind. Okay. There's a he, straddle, isn't there? No, I don't think so. Unless okay. it's a $200 big blind, because he opens to 1100 Okay, I don't know if there's straddle. Whatever. Um, no, it's fine. Helmuth is plus two. He opens to 1100 with Queen of Spades, Ten of Hearts. That's loose and weird, right? Um, they're nine-handed? Yeah, I think so. That is definitely a little loose. Uh, it's not like a huge deal. No, but, but it's, it's not something you would expect Phil to do. That's true. Well, usually he's either in, like, I'm playing really good hands, I'm limping hands like this, or I'm playing everything because I'm on tilt. And it doesn't seem like he's... I mean, I don't know. I don't know any of the hands that, that led up to this, but uh, it's certainly not a hand I would expect. I usually expect him to either limp this or fold this, knowing Phil. Yeah. But he opens it. He does. Fair enough. It is fair. He does it. I don't know. I wouldn't do it most of the time unless the table was super weak. Obviously, it's yeah. not a super weak table. Agreed. Um, then James Board is on the button. He's got deuces, deuces of hearts, deuces of clubs. Mm-hmm. 125K in front of him. He makes the call. Fine. Doug Polk's in the big blind. He's got 200K. He's got 10 of diamonds, seven of clubs. He makes the call. Sure. Pot's 3,900. Here's the old flop. Okay. Jack of spades, nine of spades, eight of hearts. What does that mean? Well, it means that Phil Helmuth with the queen 10 off flopped the nuts, and it means Doug Polk with the seven 10 off flopped the second nuts. That would be a straight as well. And it means James Board with the pocket deuces still has the same pair that he had before. And it's a very bad bad, flop. It's a very bad flop. He's probably behind to at least one of these players. Yes. (laughs) But not always. I mean, they could both have like ace X suited, I guess. He is not drawing dead. Like, 
Doug Polk can never win this hand. He can best chop the hand. He yeah. can never win it outright, but Board can still win it outright. That's true. If a deuce comes on the Turner River and there's some other help as well. Who oh, needs a deuce? Okay, I could go 9-9, nine, nine, I guess. 8-8, yeah. eight, eight, Jack Jack. There's so many ways to win this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah you should be thrilled. <laughs> yeah. You should be thrilled. All right. I think I know what you're going to say, but I'm going to ask anyway. Okay. Is there a good argument for Doug Polk leading here with the, the straight? Oh, um, I think there is at least a reasonable argument this for this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one, we have a monster hand. Uh, two, Phil Hemmuth checks a lot in spots where he misses. Like, he's not the guy who C-bets a lot. This isn't really a board you're supposed to C-bet with ace-four of hearts anyway. Right. Like, so even more so, right? Yeah. Like, um, now, if we know some things about James Board, like, I know, I'm just going to spoil this. This is not a big deal. Uh, both players are going to check, and James Board's going to bet his yeah. deuces, right? So if we know James Board is essentially going to auto-C-bet, He's Maybe. not a C-bet even. He oh, you're right. But he, he's going to auto-bet when check. Like, there's always a bet going in, basically, if, if, we che- if us and the initial aggressor checks. Then it makes the check a little bit better, for yeah. sure. Um, but if we don't know that, if we're not sure of that, I actually like a lead a lot here. What do you think? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, there's two spades on the board. Uh, it's a very wet board. It could have hit both of our opponents in ways that are really good for us. Like, yeah. either of them could have two pair or a set or an over pair or top pair or a pair with a straight draw, all sorts of things that will give us action. A lot of those things might even raise us. I think it's definitely a candidate board to lead yep. with, with this. With this hand. Of course, checking is fine too, but if, if you're ever going to lead, this feels like the type of board and the type of hand to do it with. Mm-hmm. You can, and it's pretty easy to balance, you would think, as well. Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't hate a lead here at all. At all. No, me neither. Polk like does end up checking. That's fine too, of course. Let's talk about this Phil Hummings check that you yes. already briefly mentioned because I'm kind of thinking, what the hell? Yeah. Like... Too. Is this 2002? What's happening? Like, you flop the nuts, you never bet? Like, there are some times when you flop the nuts and betting is probably a bad idea, like king, king, deuce boards when you have pocket kings. This is a different situation. You have queen 10 on a jack 9, 8, 2 spade board. Like, you have to bet this board, right? Okay. First of all, you don't have to. You don't to have bet. to. Let's be you clear. Like, you don't have to. You probably want to have at least a few checks with the nuts. Yes, fair in, enough. In your, in your range. So... If, and if you believe that board is almost always betting, I don't know if you actually believe that as Phil Hummuth, but Phil Hummuth definitely has played with board a lot. He's like, just as this hand begins, he's talking about how board made him tilty yesterday, and they, they definitely have a long history together. So if you, if you believe that board is almost always betting, it makes it a lot better to check here. Like giving a free card, and not a free card because we could lose, but a free card because it'll kill action um, in different ways. Uh, and missing a street of value is really problematic when you have a hand, when you flop the nuts that can't improve, as you like to say. Yeah, um, he can. He has the queen of spades, so he can go run. Oh, around. okay. You know what? That's true. But but then, good luck getting value out of worse right. hands, right? So we don't really want to improve in any way, anyway. Uh, in any way, anyway. But that actually, I mean, it made sense. It, it just sounds weird when you yeah. put it together. Yeah. Um, an old chestnut from Poker Guys podcast from you know four years ago that you used to say all the time was when you flop a straight. You should play it fast because, one, you don't block a lot of the things that you wouldn't want to block. Yeah. And, two, you can't improve. So while Phil can improve, it doesn't really matter. Yes. We wouldn't want to improve. And, of course, the only thing we block here is um, other draws to the straight the, yeah. with the 10 in our hand. So that's fine. Um, these are all really good reasons to bet. I think, as Phil, we should mostly be betting this. Yes. Like, almost always, like 95% of the time kind of. I thing. guess having the queen of spades in our hand makes it a little better to check. We have a little bit less to worry about as far as our opponents catching up to us with flushes. Queen 10 of spades would be a much better hand to check, well, I think, than just the queen of spades. 
I guess. I mean, probably want to bet that one too. I would want to bet. I mostly want to bet, but if I'm going to pick tracks, I, I would rather pick the one that feels less vulnerable. Yeah. The, the reason to bet that though is because once in a while, if someone else has Queen 10, you can get it all in right now and free roll them. There's always a reason to bet when you flop the nuts. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I think mostly he should be betting for sure. Like I, I, I'm, I know you feel that way too. I can yeah. see it in your eyes. I do. I, I would feel strongly that I would want to bet this board. Yeah. Of course, like you said, you have to sometimes check the nuts if you want to be playing against good players in an iterated game. But yeah. I just don't want to. No. I really don't want to. I mean, yeah. It, I mean, look, Doug Polk is, is the kind of opponent, too. You probably do have to like be a little more like on top of your balance yeah. and actually check the nuts a little bit here, right? And I don't know if that's true for James Board or not, quite frankly. I don't. He won the World Series of Poker Europe main event, I think, many years ago. That's what I remember about him, and that's mm. it. So he's not. I'm not saying he's terrible, but I don't know if we need to be like... I don't know if this is like Haxton is what I'm saying, you know? I don't think it's like Haxton. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, let's talk about James Board a little bit. Okay. Should he bet deuces on this 8-9 jack two-spade board? I mean, the aggressor checked and Doug checked. I guess it's okay. He bets 2K into 3,900. I mean, Phil probably has a lot of folds here. He probably has a lot of just check yeah, folds. you'd expect. Doug doesn't have that many check folds, but we're not. We're betting, like you said, what is it? 2K into how much? 3,900. We don't need it to work that often. We can take one shot. It's not terrible. I think we should bet less. Hmm. Like uh, maybe maybe there's a GTO reason to bet this much, like for balance, etc. But it feels like, in a practical sense, if Doug has a ten, he's gonna fold. He's not gonna fold for two K, right? He's not folding for any amount on the flop. If right. He has a ten. Yeah. So if Doug has four or five suited, he's gonna fold for twelve hundred. Yeah. You know, like why are we charging ourselves more? Basically? I think to me, the only reason to do it is if Phil has like ace. I'm trying to think what hand ace eight, ace king, ace, ace seven, queen. Hands that, like, if we bet small enough, he's going to find calls with. But if we bet enough, and 2K, like, half the pot might be enough to actually make him just like, eh, all right, I throw away ace-king here. I don't know. If you have ace-king with no spades, you're really just going to check call this board? I mean, if you size it small enough, yes. I guess. You have to size it pretty small, yeah. admittedly. Um, and Phil can be really stubborn sometimes in weird ways. Uh, I'm just thinking about, like, Again, watching all these videos with him where he was playing against Dario Mineri uh, in the big game. And Dario flops like top two pair and Phil has like just a gutter and Dario raises on the flop. Phil puts in like a quarter of a stack calling this reasonably sized raise. It's like way too much with just just a gutter, slams the gutter on the turn and wins the pot, you know, and uh, gets all in on the turn easily, of course, because and it's just like, what are you even doing, man? Like, but like, but he just decided to call out of position with this in this spot, which is like no, no good player. Well, that was a, like eleven years ago now, so maybe he's that changed. was a long time ago. That's true. But he's but has he changed that much? I'm not. I don't know that he has. He and he's still very emotional. Yeah, it's tough to say. He does seem to have a game that is a, a bit of a vestige of the past as compared to other players of his era, like Negreanu, who yeah. seems to evolve. Um, now, maybe that's not fair. Maybe Phil is evolving also. Yeah. And like, I know when he played Antonio heads up, he definitely had coaches. You know, he had like, he wasn't just going on the right. Phil home with white magic thing. He had heads up coaches and stuff like that. So, so maybe, maybe we're being unfair to him in that way. Yeah. Anyway, board bets 2K. I guess okay. I, I don't hate it as much as I thought I would. It's fine. It's fine. That's, I mean, it's certainly not great, but you know, you're basically never winning the pot if you don't take a shot here or hit at the miracle on the turn, right? So it's, it can't be that bad to bet half the pot when you think you're going to get... You're probably going to get it through barely enough. Maybe. And sometimes, by the way, you, you get called and hit the deuce on the turn, and now you get, you get to win a weird pot. Well, that sounds great. Yeah. 
Except you would lose in this case if somehow. Well, if somehow they both called, you hit the deuce on the turn, and then you. Oh, uh, then you improve again. Yeah, What's no, yeah, no, that's easy. You're right. You just go to the runner, runner. That happens. Before we talk about what Doug does, why don't you tell the people about something else? Got up your sleeve over there. Really? Yeah. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna tell them. You ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna tell them about how this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom, people. Because it's a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets combat all forms of ED. It can help men gain extra confidence for when it's time to perform. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. BlueChew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problems here, because it's called BlueChew, Grant. Don't you see? It's in the name. BlueChew's Sidenafil and Tadalafil, those are hard things to say, but I did it are chewable. They're chewable tablets. It's in the name. <laughs> it is. Blue Juice tablets, they're made in the USA, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Bluetooth free for when you use our promo code POKERGUYS at checkout. You just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code POKERGUYS, to repeat, gosh, it's so hard to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast because we're that type of people. You did a pretty good job, man. Well, I really, I really struggled. To no, get I, I, I think you did. You did well. I barely said you a did word a lot correctly. better that you just, you just take the average human and you put him in that spot and tell him to read that yeah. ad copy. I think you did better than that. Okay. That's fine. But you know, the average human probably doesn't have a podcast that comes out twice a week. A so. lot of people have podcasts these days. Yeah, that's true. You know what? That's a really good point. <laughs> anyway, I, I apologize to the guys at Blue Chew for maybe not practicing that a little more. <laughs> I, th- I thought you did a great job. Okay. I, have you heard? I've heard much bigger podcasts than ours do <laughs> ad copy stuff that's just complete hot garbage. Like really, really <laughs> awful, awful job. Cool. Yeah. So I'm the I'm the thinnest kid at Fat Camp now. <laughs> that's what you're saying. Wouldn't you rather that than the fattest? I I mean, no body shaming here, but yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, you're at Fat Camp to lose right, weight. Exactly. I mean, aren't you? Maybe you're not. Maybe you're not. Okay. I don't know your intentions. You're there because they have a really good water slide, maybe. Um, okay. Okay. Here we go. So here we are. James Board is bet 2,000. Yeah. Jack of spades, nine of spades, eight of hearts. Polk's got 10, seven. Hummy's got queen 10. Yeah. It's a train wreck waiting to happen. It is a train wreck waiting to freaking happen. Doug Polk's going to go ahead and raise for all the obvious reasons. You know, it's a wet board. We want to get value. We want to protect our hand a little bit, but mostly we want to get value. Right. right. Position to both players. Yeah. So he's, he raises to 7,000. I would think as Doug Polk, we assume a lot of time the hand's going to be over right now. Like yes. We assume Phil's like almost always folding and board usually can't call. We're just hoping board has like we, maybe we get lucky and board has two pair or something. That'd be great. Yeah. But no. like this is where we balance. Maybe board is a 10. Maybe board has spades. Um, but this is where we're balancing our check raising range when we've got, you know, draws and stuff like that. So how do you feel about the sizing? 7K over 2K? I think it's perfectly fine. Yeah. I got no problem with it. I, you don't want it to be too small because you're out of position. And again, we got to think, how are we sizing it when we're bluffing? We need it to be the same size. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about this next thing that happens. Here we go. Because this is a fucking doozy. Yeah. 
I can't imagine this being a good idea against a competent player. Maybe against people that Philomene plays in tournaments, it's okay. But he goes all in for $97,000. So over $7,000. It went $2,000, $7,000, He has the nuts. Yeah. It, okay. First question. Can you, and I think the answer is yes, but I would like to articulate it for me. Okay. Can you think of a scenario where this is a good idea? Yes. Okay. Um, well, actually, in theory, this scenario is it's a good idea, right? When the guy has flopped so strong and we have the nuts that he's just forced to call and it shouldn't matter, right? This is actually a great scenario. For I that. don't mean based on their hand. I'm, I'm trying to say oh. like uh, a player that you could be against type of thing. Oh, well, sure. There's lots of guys who are absolutely going to call. Um, a lot of guys who actually think like when you make it that much, they think it's always a bluff. Yeah. Um, and in fact, when you make it this much... There's some players where it is going to almost always be a bluff. The massive overbets for some players are just way too bluff heavy. I'm thinking of you, Timothy Adams. I'm looking right at you right now. You're in the. You're in that. You're in my apartment, and I'm looking at you. Um, you're yeah, here. I was. I was wondering who. The, I I can't tell because of because of the hood over his head. Yeah, and he he keeps asking for food. It's Timothy Adams. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe if you didn't make so many big fucking bluffs, <laughs> you wouldn't need to borrow so much fucking food. Yeah, so, Timothy Adams. Anyway, but like. So, like, for example, yeah, when Timothy Adams makes plays... Now, this is bigger than Timothy. Timothy, Timothy Adams, Adams doesn't make a And he's is always on the river, too. It's also always that... No, we've actually seen cash games where he does it, too. We saw um, one cash game, I think. But, but he has... Yeah. He does it in cash yeah. games. But he usually bets, like, two times the pot. He usually doesn't bet, like... what? It, how is this, like, eight times the pot? It's something like that. It's an insane amount. Maybe it's maybe it's six times the pot. Yeah. It's some, it's some crazy amount. We have seen other players do this, but, like, I'm thinking, like, back to, like, early high-stakes poker, Doyle doing this kind right. of thing. Like, against Gus Hansen. And Doyle, by the way, doing with hands that, like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's bad. You have, like, queens here, and, like, are you crazy? Like, you're never getting called by jacks. You're always getting called by kings. Yeah. Um, But it was was the old days when no one knew what the hell they were doing. That is correct. (laughs) Compared to, you know, compared to now. Um, So, yeah, there definitely are players, though, who you can do this against who absolutely are going to call. With what? With top two and better, I would say. I don't know if they're really calling with top two, but top two they would consider calling. And anything better than that, like sets for sure. See, Even bottom see, set. See, that's a fucking problem. Yeah. In here. Like we're talking about the, the ideal scenario where you're against the type of player you want to be against and they have to have top two or better for you to get action. Well, let's think about it. Like if Tony G were to do this, what's the worst hand we can call with? I think we can easily call a top two and maybe other two pair hands. Yeah, I think we call with all two pairs against Tony G. What if we have top top? Are we just folding? Yeah. We just have to. I'm not right? raising in the first place, but of yeah. course, we're, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Like we have to have a hand that we can raise. So yeah. now we're like at bottom two as our absolute bottom of our yeah. range, and then we can and we can decide to call it bottom two. We could so. if it's Tony G. Yeah, depends on the p- point in the session. Early in the session, maybe you fold, maybe. But Tony G is like one of those guys whose personality is revealed throughout the session. He's not always super crazy at the beginning, but he gets he will yeah. he will make a big crazy play. Even for Tony G, this feels like almost shockingly large as yeah. a bed size that you wouldn't almost ever see him do and All maybe right. never see so him let's do. let's bring it back to where we are when the the most likely person to give him action is doug polk because he's decided to raise this flop absolutely should we be doing this against doug polk ever with any hand well should we be doing this against doug polk ever with any hand it's hard to think that we're ever going to have the right amount of bluffs to value to be able to do this against a guy like Doug Polk who would strive to be balanced against us at least a fair amount of the yeah. time with his calls and folds, right? Because he's trying to be GTO at least a lot of the time. Like he talked famously about um, when he was pre- prepping for Daniel Negranu's mm-hmm. heads-up match, and it wasn't like, how am I going to exploit Daniel? It was just like he was just trying to get better at GTO stuff. Yeah. And I'm not saying once they were playing that he wasn't 
taking exploitative lines. I'm sure he was, but um, but that was like all his prep was around that, and he mostly doesn't care how his opponents play, at least for a long time. Yeah. So um, so it's really going to be hard to ever have this work out because how can first of all how can we can never? It's so hard for us to have enough bluffs here. I would say. Or enough value. Like, we're usually going to be very strongly on one end of the spectrum or the other. It's so hard to have the right amount, the right balance here, right? Yeah. Insanely hard. Um, Like, I guess another way to ask the question is, would it make sense to do this with bottom set for value? I don't believe it would. Then then it can't be right to do it with the nuts either, right? In this spot, like, if, if we basically only have the nuts for value... How are we supposed to get value from worse hands if our opponent can kind of figure that out? It seems really, it seems almost crazy to do this with bottom set, right? Yeah. Because, first of all, we could just be stone beat right now. Yeah. We assume that every better hand is calling. Yeah. Right. I would assume pocket nines are not going to fold. Mostly. Uh, mostly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, would assume, I would assume all straights are calling. Yeah. That feels pretty straightforward to me, right? Um, and I would think, like, I guess we could be up against, like, the ace, ten of spades exactly. And then we get, to, or, the, or the ace queen of spades, you know, yeah. big, really big draws that we have good equity against. But, you know, Phil Helmuth wouldn't play it that way. We no. know that. Phil Helmuth would always want to take a card off and make sure it's safe before he'd even put in a really, really, you know, committing raise, usually, almost always in these spots. Um, so where are we with all this? I, I guess. Our, is this, is, uh, do, we, do, we conclude, do we conclude that this play is never good? Oh, I think if you're Phil Helmuth, because it depends on who you are. If you're Tony G, you might be able to get it, you might be able to pull this off. Maybe. But if you're Phil Helmuth, when is the last time you bet five and a half times the pot on the flop without having the nuts? Yeah, I don't know. Or at least the effective nuts. I've never done it personally. Um, I've never done it either. I don't think you've you've you you may have done it like in a tournament once. Oh, that that much x the pot is hard to do. Yeah, it's very hard. To I know do. you did. I know you did something similar to that against one player, uh, Steve. Uh, where you had like top pair only, but you but he's the crazy guy. Who, oh, you like you like three bet shoved on him for some. Huge oh, right, right, right. The pot, yeah, that yeah. One hand. I don't know if it was this much. That was a very exploitative. Situation. Well, that's what we're talking yeah, about, yeah. right? It's, um, and you just had top pair. He called me. With, he called you with worse. Right? Yeah. Did you have like a gut shot or something? He or called something? me with an open ender, which was six four on a three five jack jack board king jack. and i queen jack yeah yeah and you, but you didn't bet five times the pot to show no right? you bet like pot or pot and a half or something, something like right? that yeah, yeah. um so this is still like miles away from that play yeah um i can't imagine this is a good play for phil to be doing because as i said he's going to be value heavy i would guess mm-hmm. until he's maybe until he's in i don't even think insanely tilty phil ever makes this play without having a very strong hand no i don't think a so very either. very very strong value hand well that's evidenced by James Board folding. James Board folding deuces. <laughs> no, Doug Polk immediately starts smiling and like he's not. He didn't auto call, so he has the second nuts. That's a problem already for what Phil's done here. So, so to give everyone a sense of this, now maybe not all of you have seen this. Most of you probably have, but Grant hadn't seen the hand. Yeah. when we were talking about it, and so Grant was like, "Should we really do this hand? Isn't it just a tell?" Because obviously Doug's going to fold. That's what makes this special. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, well, actually, Doug considers folding long before Phil gives off any of the tells, and then we watch it, and it's like a solid two minutes before Phil does anything except sit there. Yeah. And then Phil starts talking, and it he does not help us. He cause. really doesn't. Which we'll talk, we'll, get we'll talk about that. We'll soon. get into that. But like Doug on the pure poker is really clearly leaning towards a fold anyway. I think. Yep. And it's with this hand now. It, I mean, I'm excited to get into the pure poker aspect of it a little bit and talk about it. 
So let's I've, do it. I mean, I think my first thought is like, I'd rather have a pocket, pocket jacks right now. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Of course you would. Yeah. Because you, you can't be in that bad shape. You can't right. be dead. Right. This hand, you can be dead. Yeah. But could we, up, could we be up against pocket jacks? Have to believe we could maybe pocket jacks is, is in this range. Well, Gabe Kaplan actually makes a relatively good point, which is Phil opened in early position. Does Doug even think that Phil has queen 10 right. in his range? Right. right. Like, that's a big deal. I mean, if you don't think Phil can have even very many, maybe it's just Queen 10 suited. Maybe you decide it's only Queen 10 suited. By the way, it's Queen 10 off is what he actually yeah. has. But we could very reasonably decide it's Queen 10 suited or nothing. We have a 10 in our hand. There's only three combos of Queen 10 suited. If we think he's also got pocket jacks here sometimes, there's three combos of jacks. We're not doing good enough to call with just those two things. No. Because we're dead against Queen 10 and we're going to lose something like a third 65% of the time, of the time yeah. we're going to win, but yeah, we, against pocket. Jets. Yeah. But combined, that's obviously not good enough to make this call no. when the overbet of it's such an overbet of the pot. Um, so we would still need other things in there besides sets with this exact hand. Right. Yeah. Um, who man. So yeah. So, but anyway, back, back to all this. So I think we can call. So if we have pocket jacks, we're, we're always calling, right? I think we have to, I think we have to also because, because we could talk ourselves into if Phil has a set, we, we've got him dead sometimes, and we always have equity. Right. And that's and, good. And Doug does keep saying, I could just be dead, which he wouldn't be saying if he had jacks. Obviously. Of course not. Yeah. Right. No, I think he would call pretty quickly with jacks. Yeah. And he'd just be like, sometimes I'm losing, but sometimes you have pocket nines. But of course, pocket nines is if we, the thing that gets interesting pretty quickly from Doug's point of view, I think, is what's the range of hands that I'm up against right now? Right. What, bluff, what hands that are not made hands am I up against? Maybe the ace, 10 of spades. It's got to be the 10x of spades at the very least, right? Maybe, okay. maybe queen x of spades in some scenarios. Yes. Those, are, those are the only two of spades that make sense. Yeah. Would, would Phil actually play them this way? I'm not sure that he would. 5x the pot or 6x the pot seems like not Phil style to me. No. But maybe. 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 Um, but he opened an early position. There aren't going to be that many examples of 10x of spades and queen x of spades. Maybe king queen of spades. Maybe ace queen of spades. Maybe king ten of spades, ace ten of spades. Yeah. That's it? Yeah, and those are big question marks. Yeah, we don't know that any of them. That's only four combos anyway, but that's those are all question marks that he would actually play. Would he actually play any of them? And would he way? actually play a set this way anyway? Right? Well, that's one of the things that Doug says, right? Yeah. He's he says, um, first he, he really quickly he says, like, I'm thinking about making a really, really insane laydown. Yeah. And um after two minutes, I, I guess I have to spoil this part. So, yeah. so Phil Phil realizes that Doug is going to fold a really big hand, or is considering anyway. And Phil's Phil's now trying to talk him into calling. And so this Phil says, a, "This was a mistake." Phil says, "I could have a set." Yeah, which is crazy that he would say that. Like trying to like it's such a weird thing to say. Um, and Doug immediately says, "Could you? Yeah, could you have a set?" Which is incredible that he says that to me. So now he's th- he's basically eliminating pocket eights and pocket nines. I think by saying that. Yeah. Maybe he's even eliminating jacks, but I think he's definitely eliminating eights let's, and nines. Let's talk about the rest of what Phil says because it's, okay. it, it's, a, it's like a master class in what not to say against a competent opponent when you're trying to get them to call. <laughs> yeah. Unless you have some metagame dynamic going on. I mean, on, you could always be reversing, right? But yeah. clearly Phil not put together enough to, to this do was, that. This was like the classic thing where he mentioned a bunch of hands and never mentioned the nuts. Like he's, he's like, I could have a blocker. I could have pocket tens. I could have the blockers. I mean, it's super weird. The three things he says are, I could have a set, which then Doug says, you can't really have yeah. a set. Phil does not dis- dispute that, which is fine, yeah. by the way. Um, then he says, I could have pocket tens because I could have blockers. And then he says, I could have ace, ten of spades. Yeah. And those are the only hands he comes up with, i.e. he never mentions the nuts. Why wouldn't he mention the nuts? 
He would always mention the nuts. Yeah. I shouldn't say he would always do it. Maybe he's doing a brilliant thing and he gets a little unlucky here where he's like, this time when Doug, I talked to Doug, I'm going to say this kind of a thing. And he just got unlucky that it, it went so badly. But I don't believe that's what's happening. It seemed like just tell 101. Yes. Basically. Like, I'm going to appear as weak as I possibly can. I'm trying to talk you into a call very blatantly and very openly. And by the way, Doug says, I was already probably going to fold. And then this, and he points at Phil, clearly referring to all the speech that Phil is doing. So it just makes me want to fold that much more. I mean, what the fuck is Phil doing here? What the fuck? Who the fuck does he think he's up against that this is going to work? I could have pocket tens. First of all, you never could have pocket tens. That's that's, that's like the sound of a desperate man trying to widen his range to make it sound like he's weaker than he is. Yeah. Like come up with reasonable hands at least. I mean, I don't think that's the biggest problem though. Just like, just make it 18,000. Of course. You know, don't make it 97,000. Make it fucking 18,000. You're allowed to call this race too. You don't even have to three bit. It's a strong call. But you can call and not have the nuts here. You yeah. can call with a bunch of other pretty darn good hands, which Doug, Doug's hand is so strong that he can know. But you're right. Of course, you can make it 18,000. By the way, if we just bet the flop as Phil, we'd probably get it all in pretty we might. easily here. We might. Because Doug, Doug check raises. And then when we like, either we go all in or we effectively, you know, we don't, actually wouldn't go on. We could, again, make it 20,000. Or we could just call and get it in later. Maybe we don't. Maybe Doug can sniff it out anyway, actually. Maybe I'm not giving Doug enough thing. But it's this, it's this insane overbet, which is the first big piece of the puzzle, which if we bet the flop, the insane overbet isn't going to be as insane. It's going to look, it's going to make more sense. Then we checked and then the, the, this insane overbet makes it even stronger, right? Yes. What the fuck? We checked and we did this? Yeah. It's, it's too much. Obviously too much. Doug ends up folding. It's a brilliant fold, despite, despite like Phil fucking everything up. It's, it's still, still, still really tough to play. I, I still don't know that I would ever make this fold, quite frankly, even though it clearly is correct. I would say when you think of the range of hands that you're up against, which is maybe it's all the sets, maybe it's just pocket jacks. It's clearly queen 10. You don't give him 7-10 at all because he opened plus 3 or plus 2. And uh, even if you want to give him ace-10 of spades, and even if you want to give him ace-queen of spades... Like your your equity combos. against the range isn't that good for this size bet. Not exactly. Like if he made it less, then we're forced to call with all this yeah. stuff and get it in on the turn and or river. But not now. Now we can fold because our equity just isn't good enough. It's crazy, but it's true. But would I actually do it? Man, it's hard to fold the second nuts. It is. And you don't like folding. That's for sure. I don't. I'd be like, yeah. So if I lose, I lose. It's okay. I got the second nuts. It's defensible. It's okay. As you long know? as I can defend it and go to sleep. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not going to beat myself up later. It's not so bad. All right, so anyway, while this hand is going on, yeah. James Board, Brandon Steven, and some other guy are talking about the hand openly. Yeah. While Doug is like, this, this was obscene to me to see this. I had no idea about this before I watched this just now. Like, these guys play a lot of poker. They're talking about what Doug should do, what he's going to do. They're making bets on what he's going to do. Doug can hear all this. Phil can hear all this. Yeah. It is incredibly irresponsible. Well, they're, they're speculating on Phil's hand, first of all. And they have yeah. a bet on Phil's hand, which is crazy. Yeah. Like, board bets that Phil has pocket eights. Doug is sitting right there. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? I mean, even if you're like, it's Doug Polk, he's a robot, he doesn't get affected by this. It doesn't fucking matter. You're like, not allowed to say, this is my opinion on yeah. Phil's, the strength of Phil's range here. You're just not allowed to do that. That's fucking bananas. Um, now, a, an interesting thing happens where they also bet if Doug is going to call or not. Yeah. And then Doug turns over his hand because it's a cash game so he can show everyone the level of laydown he's thinking about making. And Board immediately pays this other guy. because oh, uh, Brandon Steven pays the other guy. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Because Brandon Steven has, he, Brandon Steven had, he's going to fold. Yeah. The other guy had call. As soon as he sees in, it's like, oh, you win. And Doug then like is snapped out of his whole thing because he was actually in such a, um, a trance with what was going on. He missed all of this talk yeah. happily. But then he like looks over one because the chips make all this noise and like looks and he's like, what, 
what's going on here. You yeah. know? And it, which, by the way, is also insane to do to break his concentration in this spot. It's incredibly inappropriate. But beyond that, the fact that they're making these bets openly and so like you can whisper, you can text each other all this shit. Just get on your fucking phones. Yeah. Like it's easy to do or whisper. You're allowed to you or leave the table and make bets like away from the table. That's fine. Yeah. You can't do they're openly like we can hear their entire conversation. It's ridiculous. It's it is so incredible. Like these guys play a ton of poker. You have to know better than that. Yeah. Brandon Steven plays more than Brandon Steven at first is trying to get people to quiet down, but then joins in at yeah. some point. Yeah. And but it doesn't matter. It's it's beyond. It's shocking. It is quite frankly. It's shocking. That's the thing that I took away from that. Actually, like it was a great, but ultimately it was a great fall by Doug, and I think a major mistake by Helmuth, even before the tell. Yeah. Hey, let me ask one other question. Oh, about please do. So, one of the things that I do when I am working with uh, coaching clients, okay, because you know we do a little coaching, yeah, poker here. coaching clients. Yeah. Um, Sometimes they'll come, they'll bring to me hands like this. Yes. Meaning like I flopped a huge hand and then they put me all in and I called and I lost because they had me beat. Yeah. And I, I usually say some version of let's not try and work on you folding really, really good hands against big action. Let's try and like fix all the other stuff. Sure. Because who cares? Like, so what if you get cooler sometimes? You're going to cooler them. They're going to cooler you. Um, like that's not a skill we need to work on too much or maybe maybe zero really like those super super close spots does it really matter what we decide anyway like if we flip a coin isn't it it's all not the worth same? the mental bandwidth of trying to figure it out right let's yeah. like work on your pre-flop fucking ranges instead yeah, let's jesus let's not open uh, <laughs> let's not open ace nine off under the gun anymore there <laughs> yeah um and I, I i so i guess like so doug has gotten to the point where he's actually able to do this in real time correctly yeah. you know and I obviously, you and I both have made really big folds in our lives. Sure. Everyone has, I'm sure. Um, do you agree with this overall notion? Because I think I could make the case that even though we're, we talk about it because it's interesting for the purposes of this podcast and poker analysis, but I feel like I could make the case that um, there's no real value in almost anyone ever thinking about this kind of a spot for like a personal analysis point of view. What do you think about that? I think there's value in assessing what it means when Phil Helmuth makes yeah. a bet this size. I agree with you there. So if it was a cooler where some had gone differently, where Phil had made it 20,000 and Doug's like, well, I might as well just move in, you know, protect against all the, like that's a different scenario. It's like, yeah. okay, it just happened, you know, right, nuts right. against second nuts. That's but good. Phil made this obtuse bet that like is not something you normally see. So I think it's worth attempting to interpret that. You can yeah. then maybe extrapolate and use it against other people too. That's fair. And now that I think about it too, what we're really doing is not, what do you do in this exact situation? Although that's, that is what we're doing. Yeah. But, but really what we're doing is how do you think about a weird situation you're not prepared for? Cause no one can prepare for this. Yeah. Right. And against Phil, this is how we think about it against Tony G. We, as we talked about, yeah. we think about it differently and here's how we think about it and how to, and so that adds value because there's always going to be situations you aren't prepared for that happen at the table. People are going to bet too little. People are going to bet too much. They're going to do something really weird. You couldn't have expected or really hoped wouldn't happen. And now you got to figure it out. And so, so there's value in that for sure. Yeah. Cool. I think so. I think so. It's a showy fold. That's it's for sure. An amazing fold. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life. And I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe. We still have time to make it.